1: We love the whole Big 12, and we are available everywhere that podcasts are found. So go and find the 1012 Podcast
2: and subscribe today.
0: And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I am your host, Andy Metz. Today, we are continuing our opponent preview series uh, as yeah, part of the beginning of the new season of the podcast here. Season 7. I can't believe I've been doing it for this long, but uh, joining me to talk about the team that is coming up next in our series, uh, that is the Houston Cougars. We are talking about them. Joining me from the Scott and Holman podcast, I have both Sam and Dustin joining me today to let us know everything we need to know about Houston in the non-conference matchup that's happening before they join the conference next season. We'll see if Kansas gets to play them non-conference next season as well but uh Sam and Dustin how are you guys doing hey doing great excited to be in our last off last AAC off season before joining
1: the Big 12 and excited to be talking uh, some Cougar football
2: Excited to talk about this game for the last time as a non-conference game.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see. I mean, because I I haven't heard anything about schedule changing yet, and and I guess that's really where to start because obviously this this series was put together long before there was any kind of news about Houston joining the Big Twelve. Um, you know, we have seen other instances where. Conference games have been played as non-conference. Typically, that's, you know, like the ACC we saw. Uh, I believe it was uh, North Carolina and Wake Forest play as a non-conference because of the the size of that conference. Um, depending on, you know, how eager these two schools are to get out of this, I wouldn't necessarily be shocked to see – that this return game that's supposed to happen in Lawrence next season be played as a non-conference. And then they just don't have these two teams matching up in conference for the first year, not saying that's the way it will go, but I wouldn't necessarily be shocked if they did that just to kind of help Kansas and Houston out to not have to try to, you know, get a new, a new opponent. However, we've obviously seen that, you know, if if you need to schedule an opponent pretty quickly um the pandemic years have really shown that that's a possibility so i'm not going to rule anything out at this point but you're right this is the last one that for sure is a non conference matchup um so Let's go ahead and start just looking at the Houston Cougars. Um, because I'm going to be honest, I don't know a whole lot about them. I tried to do a little bit of scouting and we'll have our own preview of, you know, what the team looks like from a, from a Kansas standpoint. But I want to get kind of the inside scoop from you guys. Glad to be working with another podcast from the 1012 podcast network. Great to have you guys on the network. But, uh, so Houston, what is the big story for them coming into the season? Cause last year it, it felt to me, from the outside, like maybe the season last year was a little bit of a disappointment for Houston. I might, I might also be getting the year before kind of mixed in there as well, but it, it seemed like they were expected to take a huge jump last year and it didn't necessarily take as big of a jump as they were expecting.
1: No, I, I think last year probably went. I mean, they didn't get the conference championship, but, you know, going from a couple of losing seasons and Dana Holder season, Dana Holderson's first two years at the helm are, you know, kind of middling seasons to a 10 win season and, uh, you know, getting to a conference championship game, I think was a, a pretty significant step forward for the program. So obviously Houston wants to be in the AAC. They want to be that conference champion. They want to be the, the NY six team. Um, you know, it's not fun to be in a conference and watching someone else in your conference go play in the playoff when you certainly, you know, five, 10 years ago would have thought if someone was coming out of your conference, it was going to be you that was going to do that. Um, but I think given the, you know, I think most Cougar fans at this point have gotten kind of realistic about the, the kind of significant roster rebuild that Dana Holgerson was uh, inheriting when he when he took over the job uh, three seasons ago and uh given the kind of roster overhaul overhaul that he's done it was good to see that pay dividends uh this past season and i think the you know the big story heading into this year to get finally get around to your question there is um you know i, I think really one on either side of the ball i think defensively it's that Houston was able to retain Doug Belk who was their defensive coordinator you know Houston's season that they did have last year was mostly driven on the defensive side and uh, Doug Belk is someone who's just gotten a ton of um respect and hype around the country as someone who's going to be a head coach one day someone that um you know, Houston actually dismissed their defensive coordinator to promote Doug Belk from position coach to defensive coordinator in order to not get him poached. And was definitely go- after the defense played extremely well for the most part this past season. Uh, was definitely we were definitely sweating out him coming back next year. So The fact that he came back defensively to lead that defense, which has a lot of guys coming back. He lost a couple of really really good corners and Demarion Williams and Marcus Jones. Um, but defensively outside of that, the rest of the defense a lot to like. Um, and getting your coordinator back in Doug Belk uh, really exciting. And then offensively, I think it's you know uh, senior year Clayton too a guy that feels like he's been in the program for about 10 years now at quarterback, Um, but, you know, finally entering his last year, really started to take off and play a lot better, Um, you know, after a pretty disastrous first game last year, was very strong the rest of the year, and looks like he has, you know, as good an offensive line as he's had at Houston and definitely more receiving threats than he's had at any point up until this point uh, at U of H. So, uh, you know, getting Doug Belk was a big deal and, you know, hoping to see a kind of, spectacular final season from uh, Clayton Toon, I think, are kind of the two big storylines heading into the year.
0: Yeah, so I was most definitely kind of mashing the two seasons together because it was the season before that I was thinking of where they were definitely much, much... uh lower than the expectations how so so how much does the announcement of you know houston going to the big 12 how much of a jolt in the arm do you think that gives that team last season you know the the opportunity to have one of those last couple seasons in the aac go and get a conference championship obviously with cincinnati also being another good team i mean i i, I have to feel like houston felt if they could have run the table like cincinnati did that they would have an opportunity to have made the college football playoff as well so how how much did the announcement about the Big 12, and I guess we can just kind of talk about going to the Big 12 as well, your guys' thoughts about that, like, how much do you think did that that changed the way that you guys talked about last season?
2: I think it gave us a lot more long-term optimism. I think, I don't know in terms of the micro level if it really, if it really had an effect to the 2021 season, because the announcement came, and then uh, promptly in week one, U of H put their absolute worst performance in the field out there against Texas Tech, and so, you know, in terms of that very micro level, I'm not so sure, but it gave us some kind of long-term optimism that, you know, at the very beginning of last season, it's like, okay, well, either this head coach is going to figure things out, or, you know, either either this head coach is going to figure things out, or we're going to have an opening for a future Big 12 program, and, you know, with all the, all the positive things that Houston has had, it's always, in a cycle, always been one of the more intriguing openings when it's been open, but... You know, we figured you figured either this head coach is going to figure things out, or we're going to be able to get a pretty good candidate who can figure things out. And I think, thankfully, the head coach did start to figure things out. You did start to see, you know, proof of concept uh, in terms of the long term. Though it's just it's very exciting. It, it sort of changes the ceiling. Not saying that I don't think Houston can compete eventually for Big Twelve championships. I absolutely do think where this program is located, where you know where this program has been resource wise, that can eventually be a reality, but. You know, the expectation when you're in the American as Houston is, hey, you need to be the best team or like last season, the the team behind the best team every year, you need to be one of the teams competing for the G5 New Year's six slot. And, you know, in the Big 12, you're going to a bunch of programs that, you know, have been higher resource than you for the last 20 something years. In some cases, you know, have had better access to the highest end recruits than you have, but yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting to see where this program can be. We, we've always, the two of us, are obviously pretty biased. We have a high opinion of what Houston Cougar football can be. But I think, you know, I think that Big Twelve move, while making it a lot more challenging in the short term, it's it, it's more exciting. It's exciting to think about maybe in four or five years, a Houston team capable of competing with the you know Baylor and Oak State and whatever UCF and or Cincy end up being in this league, K State, you know, whatever whatever the rest of this league becomes i think that's that's very exciting for the long term. The short term we know it's going to get a lot more difficult. It lowers the ceiling a bit in the short term, but you know, in the long term is very exciting and it's such an exciting league because there's a lot of parity. There's, there's a lot of teams year in year out who end up being, you know, quite good. And I think that I think that's exciting coming from a league where yeah, I don't know. Like you're really having to get your, you're really having to talk yourself into about seventy five to eighty percent of the matchups being uh, an exciting one.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I definitely think that that really changes. Like you go from matchups in conference that are. Okay, you might have a few here and there that really kind of move the needle for people. Yeah. to ECU now.
2: might be good, but let's be honest—you're really having to talk yourself into being excited about playing ECU, even if they're happening. Or yeah,
0: like it's- South Florida, <laughs> like yeah. it's, its one of those things I think where moving the Big Twelve at the very least gives you, you know, a reason to be excited for good football week in and week out. And sure, there's going to be games that'll be stinkers. You'll have you know times where Houston is just going to go go up against somebody that they're just not ready for, um, because it happens a lot when you get into one of the major conferences, but. You know, it, it, it is funny for all the talk about the Big 12 trying to hold on as one of the power conferences. I have a really hard time slotting them anywhere lower than third. I mean, they still are a good football conference bringing in Houston and Cincinnati, you know, and UCF. And then of course the national, you know, BYU, like, those are four schools that you're bringing in that, sure, they don't have the same cachet as in Oklahoma and Texas, but they have more than enough to keep the Big 12 competitive as one of the best Power 5 conferences. Because I'm going to tell you right now, there's there's a huge gap between SEC and Big 10 and, honestly, the Big 12 when Oklahoma and Texas are in there um, and the Pac-12 and the ACC. And so... Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is one of those things where it's going to be great for everybody to be able to keep the conference together and to welcome all of these new schools in that are going to really kind of help, I think, with the footprint. Um, Do I like the fact that they're in three different time zones? Not really, but it is kind of one of those things like there wasn't another another school in, you know. BYU, or I'm sorry, another school other than BYU, I think that really kind of made sense there. Unless you're going to grab like a Memphis as well, um, in which case you're grabbing, you know, someone who, if we're being completely honest, is probably not not going to be as beneficial to the conference long term as a national team like BYU. So, you know, it, it is one of those things where um, I, I don't know that they could have gotten any better candidates to expand the conference. So I'm really happy to have you guys here, and of course, it also meant that we got to bring you guys into the 1012 network. So I'm I'm really excited about that, but. So, so looking at this Houston team, we you obviously Sam, I'm sorry, Dustin talked a lot about the guys that are coming back and everything. But for for Kansas fans who have absolutely no frame of reference for what Houston does, other than knowing that Dana Holgerson is you know the person that's running the program and used to be in the Big Twelve and was over at West Virginia, um, you know what what kind of offense do they run and what kind of personnel do they have that really lends itself to the way that they play that style.
1: Yeah, I think the thing to know for Houston, if you haven't been watching the last couple of years, especially if you hear Dana Holgerson, is you're probably thinking, okay, Dana Holgerson, he's going to run real fast up tempo. He's going to do a lot of, you know, five wide receivers. So he's going to throw the ball all around the yard. That's actually not what Houston is really doing. They've, they've, uh, you know, in, in kind of a nod to helping the defense out and not wanting to hang your defense out as much as... Um, you know, maybe some Dana Holgerson teams and some Houston teams have done in the past. He's slowed things down a little bit. Um, you know, they're still going to use tempo at time, but it's not going to be the the just dialing it up to 11 type situation that you might see as well. And then, I mean, I think you're going to see, I, I think you might see he, he, the Dana Holgerson team this year probably that throws the ball around the yard, as much or more than any any of the teams the last three years have, but you've really seen them make a commitment to uh, to running the ball a significant amount. You know, I think Houston had a extremely exciting running back and a true freshman, Alton McCaskill, who was super highly uh, recruited, came in last year and had just an unbelievable freshman season. I uh, was one of the best freshman running backs in the country. Unfortunately, uh tore his ACL and will not be playing if at all this year. Definitely not as early as the Kansas game um, in non conference. So, you know, I, I think you're going to see an offense that's actually fairly balanced compared to probably what people have in their minds when they hear Dana Holgerson. And and like I said, probably leaning a little bit this year more towards the throwing the ball around the yard just because you did lose McCaskill to injury. You do have an extremely veteran quarterback, you know, uh, coming back in uh, senior Clayton Toon. You have... One of the more you know exciting underrated receivers in the country coming back in Tank Dell and Houston was extremely active in the offseason season. Added like five or six transfers from uh, power conference uh, teams at the wide receiver position. In addition to bringing in an extremely highly touted uh, local kid high school product named Matthew Golden, who was uh, you know Daniel Holgerson um, wasted no time comparing him. Basically said he was going to do at the receiver position what Alton McCaskill did at the running back position last year. Or Alton McCaskill, I believe, led all freshman running backs in touchdowns nationally. So um, a lot of praise and this is you know the wide receiver position that the coaches the last couple of years have been not afraid to criticize the receivers you know publicly and feeling like they weren't getting enough they made kind of an awkward um, move at the receiver position let go a um, your beloved school uh, favorite in Tyron Carrier made a, a change at the wide receiver coach position um, in addition to you know publicly criticizing some of the receivers and I think this is you know, we're hearing the the opposite this year of, of the, you know, coaching staff being a lot more excited about the receiver group that they do have. So, um, like I said, has been kind of surprisingly balanced, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens once the uh, the season gets going. Uh, I don't know, I have a feeling we might see maybe turning the day at least a little bit back towards the uh, kind of day holders and the people know and uh,
0: expect. So, so in, in terms of personnel, like mean, who, who are some of the players that, that Kansas fans or anyone else watching Houston needs to kind of watch out for this year on the offensive side? So, you know, wide receivers or other than the ones you kind of just talked about, but like wide receivers running back. So skill position players. Is there anybody in particular that really jumps out to you as like one of those guys that people are probably going to know about before the end of the year?
2: It's someone Dustin already said, but uh, Matthew golden, he, he was the best recruit that U of H has gotten in ages was I believe. Yeah. It was a long time TCU commit under the Patterson staff with the change there. U of H had recruited him for a good while after he committed to TCU. I think he'd been committed most of 2021 to the Horn Frogs flipped in the early signing day and rolled early and just wowed everyone in spring practice. He's he's someone I ex- fully expect to see uh, at near the top of the 2-D, getting a lot of reps early on. I expect we'll see a fair amount of him in the Kansas game. The, the guy I'm actually most excited about on the offensive side of the ball, I realize you mentioned skill guys, but it's one of the big uglies. It's uh, the Cougar left tackle, uh, Patrick Paul. He, he's someone he came into the program, played at the very end of Holgerson's first year, 2019 still kept his red shirt up uh, played the very beginning of the 2020 pandemic season then tours ACL I want to say against BYU actually and missed much of that year so went to last year as a technical third year redshirt freshman and you know at times looks like a guy really getting his first serious division one reps but other times he ended up I think being U of H's highest graded offensive lineman per pro football focus and anytime you got a guy who's 6'6 320 pounds and Still has a few years of eligibility in your program and is grading out pretty well against a decent schedule. Yeah, you gotta be pretty excited about. It. I think he's a guy in a year or two that we're gonna be talking about being a first couple rounds draft pick. And I think a guy is gonna be the cornerstone of something that's gonna be very important to the Cougar offense, making its next step this year and having a stable offensive line. Certainly 2021 was Dana Holgerson's best offensive line here, but that's pretty low. It's pretty low bar to clear because 2019 and 2020 was was bad and also unstable. I, I think I, I said this when I talked about the first couple of years, we didn't really know what the offense was. Cause it's just like, if you have a bad offensive line, it's like a car with a bad engine. You know, it doesn't matter how nice the paint job is. It doesn't matter how great the other components are. If you have an offensive line, that's unstable and not doing the things the offensive line needs to do. It's really going to prevent anything else positive from happening. And we saw at least last year, an offensive line that was good enough to allow by the second half of the year to really Show Cougar fans what this offense could be under Dana Holgerson. I think this year, if that group takes the next step, it'll be because Patrick Paul you know, transitioned from being a pretty good, promising young offensive lineman to a guy who's a pretty nail-on prospect to play on Sundays.
0: Yeah, well, you actually jumped over to my next question. I usually like to highlight offensive line in a particular question on their own. One, because as Kansas fans, we know how important it is, you know, going from one year where we had the worst offensive line in all of Division One football, um, you know, with a quarterback who you know wowed a lot of people at the end of last season but had less than two seconds to throw on every single you know drop back that he had so like we understand how bad it is when you don't have a good offensive line um what about the rest of that offensive line though you I mean you talked about the left tackle who was really good and, and how it was better last year but that the bar was really low um you know are there a lot of other guys on the line that you're fairly confident in that you think are going to really be able to help anchor that offense or is that an area that still needs some work
1: you know, I think it's an area that you know is going to. I think it has the potential to uh, to be a really solid for for Houston, even outside of Patrick Paul. The rest of that line, um, but definitely, I think you're you're needing to do a little bit of projection to kind of um get there because you do have a couple of guys that houston has to replace um they had a, a you know a big center in cody russey who was a louisiana tech transfer came in as a grad transfer really held down the uh, the center position and did a great job there last year and he was really i think a big part of houston's offensive line finally kind of um you know turning the corner and not uh, not being a, a a huge liability like it was the first couple of years um um you know under dana holgerson and so you've got um uh, Sam, help me out. Who was the that took over the, that's getting this, the starting center going into uh, Jack, Freeman. Jack, Jack Freeman?
2: Jack Freeman, who Holderson was actually very, very excited about, went from yeah. saying that the position was a liability to there's no more competition here. This guy's got it locked in. Said it was one of the best surprises of spring practice.
1: Yeah, at the guard positions, you got a couple of guys in, uh, Tank Jenkins and Cameron Johnson who had gotten, um, some snaps as some kind of underclassmen now have a little bit more experience. And those are some guys that, you know, I think haven't looked, haven't looked perfect in the past, um, but have, have shown you enough exciting things that, you know, as, as the guys develop and, you know, you never really want offensive linemen as underclassmen generally getting too too much of the field so those are the guys that maybe played a little bit earlier than ideally but you know started to show some things i think are probably going to be some solid pieces at the guard spots and then uh, the Cougars brought in a couple of transfers d1 transfers uh to compete at at the right tackle position which kind of looks like the last open maybe fighting you know spot that's kind of up for uh uh, debate for who's going to start there so um you know I, i feel probably as confident with the starting five offensive linemen going into the season as i had the last several years um but you know we've had some seasons like that and all of a sudden you know you get three or four guys injured by the third game and that's a, a very different uh, situation so as much as houston has seen some has just had you know we talk about the bad offensive line which should be said houston had for those two years under dan holgerson an absolutely insane even for offensive linemen number of injuries where you just had like you know 12 or 13 different guys that had start games on the offensive line it was
2: 13 uh,
1: combinations of starters over his first 19 games here yeah just 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 bonkers so um, that is crazy you know, You're feeling pretty good about the offensive line, but again, with the huge caveat that, uh, you know, at least four or five of the uh, the starting five uh, guys heading into the year are are still there most of the year.
0: All right. Well, I do want to jump over to the other side of the ball, but but before we do that, I need to go ahead and throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Talk podcast. This is Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I Also Hate Pit, joined by my brother, Jeremy J.N. Phoenix. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We do the Raspy Voice Kids podcast If you love West Virginia University, you will love our podcast. If you don't care about West Virginia University, you will love our pop culture segment. It begins every single episode. You can join in the fun anytime, anyplace. Get at your boys. And we're back. All right, I'm here with Dustin and Sam of the Scott Holman Podcast. We are taking a look at the Houston Cougars um, you know, just running through, we already talked about the offense, kind of what it meant for them to come to the Big 12 and to be starting next year actually in the conference. But let's jump over to the, to the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, it, it looks like, and, and I did remember watching that Texas Tech game last year to kind of begin the season. Um, you know, it looked like they came out to a really big start. And, and unfortunately, you know, being in a conference like the AAC, I think that most people, we'll look at those non-conference matchups against big conference opponents and kind of base their thoughts on your team like that, right? So, so sandwiching the entire year was the the loss to Texas Tech where they jumped out to a big start and then gave up a ton of points in the second half, and it looked like the switch completely flipped, going the wrong direction. And then you end the season with a game against Auburn where the defense, you know, was playing really well. That game ended 17-13. Which one of those is more like the defense that you're expecting to see from the Houston Cougars this year? Like, is it one of those things where yes the coaching is great as you were talking about but there might be some worries about the personnel that's there and the, and you know the ability to kind of make it all mesh or is this something where they really kind of hit their stride last year and you think they can build that momentum going into next season
2: I would say more the latter than the former I, I would say the biggest culprit also from that Texas Tech game was a Cougar offense that just spent the last two and a half quarters of that game just pounding their foot with a shotgun and just the, the Cougar I, I think it I think we looked it up. I think they got a total of like three first downs after the last scoring drive, something just catastrophically bad. So it was like, it wasn't a premier Cougar defensive performance in that opener, but it was also a Cougar defense that spent most of the second half in the field. And this it was kind of one of those games where you looked at the problems. And it's like, yeah, the defense didn't look amazing against the Texas tech offense that didn't really prove itself to be amazing over the course of the 2021 season. But you know, I think number one through 10 on the list of things that we were freaked out about after that game uh, involved the Cougar offense in some form or fashion. You know, and I will say there are some serious question marks that do need to be answered with this defense because when you lose two cornerbacks as good as Damarian Williams and Marcus Jones, Marcus Jones was a dynamo as a return man. I think a lot of the headlines from Marcus Jones in the 2021 season were the absurd kick returns he had and just the absurd kick returning career he had, period. I think one of the best return men the sport has seen in recent memory, but quietly, he was a really good cornerback last year. He ended up grading out, I want to say top 10 nationally per pro football focus. One of the best performances in a losing effort, but a really outstanding performance nonetheless was uh, him against uh, Cincinnati's Alec Pierce, who ended up being a second round pick of the Colts. He was giving up about 60 pounds and seven inches on Alec Pierce and just main him over the course of the game. I, I think I remember this one play in particular at the goal line where Jones jammed Pierce and just made this guy who had significant height and weight advantages on him look like a small child trying to play football, which is really impressive. Marcus Jones is is one of those players that I think Cougar fans are going to be for the last few years appreciating. Like, wow, that guy just had an unbelievable 2021 season. And you just, as a group of five program, even a well-resourced group of five program like Houston, you don't easily replace those guys. I do think Dustin and I like very tentatively, the two guys they have filling in that position, uh, uh, Art Green, who was a very good recruit out of junior college, who played a fair amount last year, and Alex Hogan, a Texas Tech transfer who played a decent amount his first couple years in Lubbock and transferred closer to home to play uh, for his hometown Cougars. So there are questions that need to be answered. And I think just really looking at the team as a whole, I think this is going to be a year where you need to see a bit more from the Cougar offense and I think, I think there are, you know, there are questions to answer at all levels of the defense, but there are guys who can be the answers to those questions plausibly there. Is everything in this defense going to click at exactly the level of the 2021 team? Not so sure about that. I think you're counting on a lot of guys who haven't been stars before to immediately be at a very high level. The high level that those guys might not get to until the following season, but I still think there are the, the pieces there for a good AAC defense and a defense that's good enough for this team to return the conference championship in uh, the coming season.
0: So so do you think that this is going to be a defense that's going to be better against the run or the or the pass? I, the reason I asked that is that you know I do think that teams like Kansas and teams like Texas Tech who are both early on the schedule for you guys this season um, do have a little bit of uncertainty and could go either way. But is there one in particular that you are much more confident in their their passability or their run defensibility?
1: Um, you know, I might, I might lean a little bit towards the run, um, but, you know, kind of splitting the hair there is, you know, I, I feel a lot, I feel very confident this team is going to have a very strong pass rush uh, heading into the season. Uh, unless, like I said, like, kind of like I said, Fairly, it's kind of confident with the corners, but less so. Um, but you know, this this defensive line has really been the uh, the highlight for Houston. They've been really good uh pass rushing. They were really good pass rushing and against uh, against the run last year. Uh, you know, got after quarterbacks enough. One of the top teams in the country in uh, in sacks and sacks per game. Defensive line uh, took to calling themselves a sack avenue, which was uh, you know very much appreciated by uh, by by the fans. And you're going to see a ton of guys again. Where um, you know one of the big hires that uh that Daniel holgerson made was brian early a defensive line coach who had had a ton of success um and brought him in and he's done a great just an unbelievable job uh, coaching up that position group and houston has consistently just brought in a ton of guys there you know that are you know transfers or high-level recruits so we keep seeing a defensive line all of a sudden that's rotating eight or ten guys in a game and all eight or ten guys are going out there and actually look like they belong out there um And so, you know, in terms of pass rushers, you got a, a real veteran guy like Derek Parrish coming back. Well, I thing's going to have a, another really big year. Um, D'Anthony Jones, a JUCO guy who has been kind of, you know, hurt a little bit the last couple of years, but anytime he's on the field, is just an absolute monster. Had a really, really impressive year last year. Um, You got another guy, Nelson Caesar, a really big time recruit who's been in the program a couple of years and has started to really kind of grow into his uh, frame and really, you know, impress a lot of people. Everyone then, on the
2: program swears that Nelson Caesar is due for a big year this year.
1: Yeah. Yeah and then you look at the the linebacking core where you got a, a veteran in Donovan Mutant who's been around for just forever and uh, you know another you know young up and comer in Manny who who is a big time recruit who all the, the coaches and everyone seems to think is uh, is destined for greatness. So really look at this Houston defensive front. Uh, I think is going to be a really really strong unit uh, for the Cougars this year. I think they're going to do a good job in uh, in in run defense I think. Uh they're going to be getting into uh, opposing backfields and getting after quarterbacks a lot and you know, like the safety group, if the cornerback group comes along, I think that's going to make the other defense as a whole, uh, you know, work pretty well.
0: Yeah, you, you mentioned about the – the confidence you guys have in different aspects of the defense. But there is one thing that everybody can have confidence in, and that is the absolutely fantastic collection of vintage college sports apparel from sponsor here on the podcast, Homefield apparel Homefield apparel has the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, joggers, all kinds of great stuff. They have over 120 different schools available right now they are continuing to add new schools every single week they are right smack dab in the bi- in the middle of big new saturday season 4 uh, and actually the week or this week the, the school that's coming up is another Cougars team in in uh, Washington State. However, they do have Kansas Jayhawk stuff. They do have Houston Cougar stuff. You know, I'm actually wearing my Cyclone shirt uh, because I absolutely love what they have and I wore the the KU one yesterday. So, look, everything that they have, you are going to find something that you want. If you head on over to Home Field Apparel, use promo code CHUCK12. You can get 15% off your entire first order. I guarantee that they are going to have multiple things from a ton of different schools that are really old, crazy, kooky, mascots that you absolutely are going to fall in love with and want to have and you're going to probably end up being like me and having way too much home field apparel stuff um, and your wife telling you you can't order anymore because you have you know way too much closet space being taken up with them so head on over to homefieldapparel.com promo code chalk 12 gets 15 percent off your entire first order and all orders over a hundred dollars get free shipping all right, guys, let's let's go ahead and wrap up by taking a look at, you know, Houston and the schedule and kind of what you guys think is going to happen for this team this year. They obviously start the year with a somewhat difficult schedule, depending on what you think of a team like Kansas, you know, a Kansas team that is kind of improving, but they have... A game at UTSA, which theoretically is one that they should win, just based on the relative strengths of the program. But it is on the road, so that can potentially be worrisome. There's another one at Texas Tech, but I don't remember if that's actually a neutral site. And Texas Tech is just the home team. But either They're
2: way, in Lubbock, I believe. Okay,
0: okay, I, I couldn't remember the way that they did it last time. Um, and there's so many, you know, neutral site games. I always I always forget which ones are actually there. But then coming home for the home opener against the Jayhawks on Saturday, September 17th. So. You know, just looking at what you have to kind of start the season, you know, how how well do you think this team is going to hit the ground running with a team, especially a team like Kansas, who, while they have historically been really bad, they definitely got better at the end of last season. There's a lot of talk ESPN, you know, Bill Bill Connolly just put out something today Um over on ESPN, talking about you know Lance Leipold and what he's doing to build that program, and not knowing how long it's going to take, but it, you know it's looking like the the structure is going to be there for them to go ahead and get better. With a lot of questions about how quickly Kansas is going to actually be able to improve, how worried are you about those first three games, and how good are Cougar fans going to feel coming out of that first part of the slate?
2: It's the first three games that yeah, you know, I think you can you can make a plausible argument for the Cougars going three and zero against that slate. You're not entirely U of H homer if you look at UTSA, Texas Tech, and Kansas, and also what this Houston team was the end of last season and just what it brings back. But it's also, it's a slate that, I don't think 0-3 is the most likely scenario there, but it is absolutely if you get injuries in the wrong positions, if you come out and just look like you did in the opener against Texas Tech. That opener, that effort we saw over four quarters against Texas Tech is absolutely, I don't think, good enough to beat the three teams that you're facing to start the season, including the Kansas Jayhawks. I don't think we'll necessarily see that. I think we saw the team work through the issues that led to that. I think Clayton Tune is a different player than the one who threw four interceptions against Texas Tech now, but it's, I think it's kind of the perfect start to the season in that way. And that if you win those three games, you know, it's not like U of H is going to be penciling its name in for one of the four CFP uh, spots if you win those three games, but if you win those three games and you win the three of them to varying degrees of convincing level, you know, I think you, you know, and you got rice after that, you could probably, sorry, sorry to any Owls fans, let's see you could probably pencil that in as a, as a fourth win, if you get there, you know, I think going to conference play, Houston becomes like, Oh, they're an interesting group of five team. Obviously you're going to have other teams there, Cincinnati, UCF, if they get off to a good start, Boise, if they look a lot more like vintage Boise in the coming season. But I think it's a, it's a three game slate to the season. That's not a murderer's row. We've seen Cougar teams in the recent past. Aiden Holgerson's first year, he was given just an absolutely brutal non-conference slate to start the season. It just kind of sunk that season before it really started. So that's not where you want to go, but you also would be a situation where you win the first three games. Everyone just looks at it. It's just like, yeah, man, but you haven't really beaten anyone with a pulse. I don't know what UTSA and Texas tech are going to be. I know UTSA at UTSA is going to be tough. Those, Guys really like to pack out the Alamo Dome, especially for Houston, which Houston is a big-name opponent for them. Houston is a target that they would love to really really sink the Cougar hopes in the season before they start. So I don't anticipate that to be an easy one. If you told me right now you could guarantee Houston a a one-point win at the Alamo Dome, I would gladly take it from your hands and say thank you. Thank you for this one-point win because that looks like a really tricky one, not an unwinnable one. But, yeah, I would say just – it's a three game start potentially that gives the Cougars a springboard to say, Hey, we could be the group of five team this year while not being three opponents that won't test the Cougars in some way and not being three opponents that won't, yeah, I think give people a fair idea of what Houston can do in 2022.
0: Yeah. And kind of to that point, I mean, you look through the rest of their, of their conference league, you know, they, they miss Cincinnati, they don't play UCF. So like if you look in conference, you know, the only team that I can say on that slate for sure that I think is going to be good is if they make the cha- the conference championship game and end up playing whoever comes across there. So, um, you know, they, they definitely need to, I think, look good in their non-conference and get these wins to have an opportunity to be playing in a New Year's Six Bowl at the end of the season. So, last question for you guys. If you're looking at this Houston Cougar team and looking at the schedule that they have, um, how how many wins do you think is the most likely here? Like, how good of a team do you think that Houston is going to have before joining the Big 12 this year?
1: Yeah, I, I think this should be a 10 win regular season for Houston. I, th- I think that that would be a fair expectation. And, you know, you, you guys talked about it. The three games to start the game, to start the season, none of those are gimmies. And, you know, just. You know, and again, and like, kind of like you said, if Houston is 3-0, I think it's your eyes are going to get real big because I think you, they are playing at SMU at the beginning of November. I think that could be a tough game. I think as much as it pains me to ever say anything nice about SMU whatsoever, and I sure as uh, heck hope this will be the last time we ever play them. Um, they are a pretty decent team, playing them in their own building. You know, I think Brett Lashley will have his team up for that one, so I think that game is... Uh, you know, it could be a tough one, but kind of like you said, Rice is a game that Houston should win. Really every other team in the American with UCF and Cincinnati not being on the schedule. They're all games that Houston probably should win. So, you know, I, I think if you, you look at those four games of UTSA, Tech, Kansas, and SMU is all games that are going to be pretty tough. You know, I, I think Houston. Could, could should, should rightly really go you know could could easily go two and two in those games at the very least and then you know if you take care of business against the teams that you're supposed to you know that uh, that you come out ten and two and you know who knows Houston could go three in one of those games they could go one and three they could drop a game elsewhere that they shouldn't you never know but uh, you know ten wins uh, at the end of the day feels like it probably is is right about where Houston should be this year given the amount of talent that they have the experience that they have and that they're you know gonna I think match up well with you know most of the teams if not every team on their schedule
0: yeah for sure what what about you Sam.
2: I would say 10 and 11 is not um, not not 11 is not uh, what's the word I think a really strong reach with this group just just given the uncertainty you have just that you're not facing the one or two potential really good teams this league and uh, since and UCF in the regular season I, I think I think 10 or 11 uh, I think that's a fair expectation and I think honestly the most likely outcome I would say 10 is the most likely outcome for the regular season.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me, for, for giving us that, that kind of inside look into the Houston Cougars this year. Where can everybody find your work online if they want to hear more about the Houston Cougars?
2: Awesome.
1: Yeah, so uh, search for the Scott and Holman Podcast wherever you get your podcast. I think we're pretty much uh, in every podcasting app. And, of course, we do spell podcast P-A-W-D-C-A-S-T because we are Just uh, cute and love puns like that. So Scott and Owen podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And we are also huge uh, Twitter degenerates. So uh, feed our Twitter degeneracy by giving us a follow on the Twitters at SH
0: podcast. And of course, got the same uh, podcast spelling there. Awesome. Well, thank again, thank you guys so much for joining me, and thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts. it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast, so you can subscribe. Get every episode as soon as it comes out. Obviously, with these guys coming from the 1012 Network, we have a bunch of great 1012 Network podcasts as well that cover all the teams in the Big 12 Conference, and even some of the ones that are getting ready to join. So we are looking to add more podcasts to cover all the different schools. So Pay attention to what they have over there because there's a lot of great information from a lot of different podcasts talking about all the different schools that play in this great conference. So. Go on over on Twitter at TEN12Network. You can get links to all the great shows that we have. But uh, if you guys can give us a rating and review, Five Stars and coming to be absolutely fantastic, but if for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys, get you all the information you need in, in, in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people who want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. You can also leave us a voicemail, get your voice on the show. Go to Anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message, and I promise we'll get you on there. But that is going to do it for us today. Make sure you guys visit the sponsor, Home Field Apparel. They have absolutely fantastic stuff. Promo code CHALK12 gets you 15% off your entire first order. And thank you guys so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast.
2: Madness we are doing game coverages going over game analysis different rankings of teams and consistently looking at the best matchups in the conference you're not going to want to miss out on all the amazing basketball coverage we have so go check out Midwest Madness available wherever you listen
1: to podcasts
0: Sports Social Podcast Network